star date. 9, 23, 7 p.m. my time. Who knows what this star date is? <laughs> time anyway. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Trek. Grant and I are co-hosting this thing tonight, and Clyde will be joining us in just a little bit, hopefully. <laughs> we're we're two, two red shirts on an away mission. One We're, of us or both of us might die at, by the end of this episode. We'll see. You know, someone might get phasered in an attempt <laughs> to use an evil computer. Um, but I am Mariah Gossett and with me is Grant Davis. If you're just tuning in for the first time, we're going to be talking about Lower Decks this evening. Uh, specifically, evil computers, wet work, and overbearing mothers. Don't say wet work. <laughs> I saw that in the chat and immediately had to change that. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Um, so this is episode two or sorry, episode seven of season two, where the pleasant fountains lie. Um, but before we dive into this review, Grant, do you want to tell folks how they can like, like support and find all the things? Uh, yeah. You know, um, we do this as a video show live. Um, usually Thursdays at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, or if you're uh, you're a West Coasty, I guess it's seven o'clock over there. <laughs> it is. Um, and yeah, we enjoy having you guys come join us live on the chat. You can chat with us. You can type POD, all caps POD, before a comment, and that helps us kind of keep track of what you're trying to get our attention for versus you know everyone who's just kind of chatting with each other because a bunch of lovable star trek fans that join us week in and week out and um it's a lot of fun if you are unable to join us for our live session you can of course check us out later both on youtube or if you just want to hear our voices and not have to look at my face giant faces this evening oh big faces there we go <laughs> um then yeah you can uh, you can go to uh star trek pod.co and there you can see where we're uh, up on most if not all um podcasts audio podcast platforms so you can go that and check us out there um there's also ways you can help support us should yeah. i mention those I'm gonna mention yeah this. i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know uh, have you checked out our patreon lately it's a pretty great place yeah, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. You can go join the Slack channel there if you make a $2 an episode pledge. So that's about eight bucks a month and um, you get to join us. It's a lot of fun Trekkie fans and we try to keep it very um, positive and inclusive environment. And we would love to have you join. And uh, you're helping support a, a podcast that is dedicated to talking about all things Trek. So yes. in a way, um, if that's where you want to put your money, you should do it. Very fun. <laughs> and the watch alongs are a good time. There's something going on in that Slack almost every single day. So it's definitely, definitely a cool place, a cool place to hang out. Um, so very cool. All right. Well, I think it's time to don that uh, sparkly purple necklace um, and see what uh, the moms are up to in space with some hot freaks. <laughs> oh. You ah wait uh which one? Let's do this. One. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was all of a sudden like ah, I need to put a hot breaks video clip up. You got it. We got there eventually. It's gonna be okay. We got uh, there. We got there. Grant, what did you think of the episode? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I started watching this episode 
with my daughters. Oh and, no. Um, I got to all of a sudden the uh, plot with Billups and his mom trying to get him laid. And I went, oh, okay, we're going to stop here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation I don't want to have with my little kiddos. So I was like, nah, okay. Um, so I, I, Prodigy is coming. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. We'll watch Prodigy later. Yeah, it's um, going to be great. I threw them in bed. I uh, ran back out and I just watched, watched it right before coming over here. Um, it's great. I thought this was a really fun episode. and. I, I liked both the uh, the continuing kind of, um, I guess it, it seems like it's skewing toward romance between Tendi and Rutherford, or at least on, on Tendi's side, that she's got strong feelings of, of, of affection for him and like a, a fear of losing him. Maybe it's not romantic, maybe it's platonic, but whatever it is, um, I'm, I'm liking the development there. Uh, the fleshing out of Billups plotline was uh, funny and fascinating uh especially since i thought there was something going on between him and ransom for a while mm. uh, it, maybe that's more of like a, a, a mr burns and smithers kind of thing <laughs> where he just kind of pines for him um yeah and then of course the mariner and boimler plotline was good for both of them i thought it was this is something we're going to discuss more, but um, I, I think where we usually see Mariner as the more competent one, this kind of um, had her take a step down in a way to kind of elevate Boimler by the end and point out that uh, she has misjudged him and is actually kind of um, unfairly handicapping him in a way. So, Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was... Um you know, a little bit more action packed than joke dense, but the action still had jokes in the only way that lower decks kind of can do, I think in that way. Um, I enjoyed that. We, I mean, we even started like the cold. I thought it was interesting that the cold open didn't have any of our normal lower decks crew in it. You know, it's like, we are starting to get to know a little bit more of our um, bridge crew, which I think is fun while we still have, Obviously, we have to have our lower decks people involved in their plots in some way, shape, or form because that's the name of the show. Um, but yeah, I thought Billups, I, I enjoyed getting to know Billups' character because it isn't like the traditional bridge. You know, it's not the captain or number one. You know, it's somebody kind of in the background. So I was like, is he more of like a middle decks character in an interesting way? Right. <laughs> um, I thought the cold open was really funny. I also just love that we um, get... Uh, Jeffrey Coombs in to be a voice of the computer. He's pretty iconic in the Star Trek uh, universe. He's been, I think, in almost every Star Trek franchise besides New Trek. So he was in an episode of Voyager. He was in Enterprise. I know he's in Deep Space Nine. He's done voices for the the video games. So the um, and he played the evil computer in this episode. Um, I also, <laughs> we can talk about this, but um, the actor who voiced Phillips' mom is June Diane Raphael. His wife, right? <laughs> who is Paul Shear's wife, yes. <laughs> so it was his wife playing his mom the whole time, um, which I thought added a, 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 a weird layer of humor to it, but... <laughs> That's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I was listening and I was like, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. And then I saw the credits roll and I was like, it, it definitely was. <laughs> yeah. They do. A, they do a great podcast together. Um, How did this get made where they review movies that are just kind of like these 
these weird fringe movies and like what was going on with this it's great very yeah. fun um so what did you I, I i guess if we want to jump into discussion while we wait to see if uh clyde is able to jump in here with us is do you um believe in the star trek universe now that they have confirmed that ren types are capable of taking over an entire planet <laughs> uh okay so I've seen images, but I've never seen any of these episodes of this kind of um, it, I, I've seen like this image of Data and Worf in Renfair. I'm guessing. Oh, that's usually all holodeck stuff. So this holodeck is the first stuff. time we've sort of confirmed that there is indeed a planet that has been colonized <laughs> by Ren types. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's pretty funny that uh, I, I especially like the little nod to um, using all of the magical terms. <laughs> first yes. stuff that's still just the the science stuff that they got going on and um when rutherford attempted to do it he's like that's just insulting stop it <laughs> um yeah yeah what would you kind of make of that whole thing i mean have you ever been to a, a Rena- have you attended renaissance fairs I think before maybe when i was a little kid that's about it um i definitely went to them a lot when i was younger and i remember in high school my friends all went kind of like is that like we're ironic and a little too cool but we're gonna go to this run fair anyway and it is so like the terminology thing is so true like you'll go to the bathrooms and they're all labeled like ye old washrooms like (laughs) (laughs) or like the turkey legs will have some alternative name to make them sound more renaissance in some way shape or form um so someone in that writer's room has definitely attended quite a few run fairs in order to make all of that happen. <laughs> i mean it's it's just another level of uh of geeky cosplay it mm-hmm. seems like you know people get yeah. all dressed up and and game of thrones had a great tie-in for a lot of people of like decking mm-hmm. out their game of thrones costumes and then going to the run fair uh, yeah i did um the one thing i i i was interested in how they've structured like the rules right because uh billups essentially says that he renounced his ability to take the throne and his citizenship of the planet in order to join starfleet so that he didn't have to become a prince but apparently the rule still applies that if he loses his v card that he could become the king yeah it, it sounds like it's um he renounced it they didn't really recognize yeah, that it, yeah hey, yeah okay you're you're on your uh your sure, sure, sure. your your rum spring or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay you'll be back you um, do that. i i think this is something uh kind of hilarious to uh, that kind of um desperately trying to escape and, and cling to virginity um which is you know contrary to a lot of um comedic plots of guys just trying to lose their virginity in high school and stuff like that so yeah it was an interesting way to turn that uh on his head um but i also appreciated he didn't he didn't seem resentful of it it was just like something that is there which i you know um there are you know asexual people who are not into into being sexual with people so i was like in a way i don't know it's an interesting like (laughs) Right. It it seemed like they didn't define one way or the other how he actually feels. They left it open right. to um, a guy and a girl also courting him in the bed for it. Uh, so it's it like he has options if he feels mm-hmm. anything in that regard. And it just showed that uh, he had some some 
hesitancy, obviously, and some inability to uh, rise to the occasion. So, to speak. so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that that speaks more to maybe he he is asexual. Maybe he just isn't interested at all. And that's part of like, you know, he does have the passion for, for Star Trek, for Starfleet. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Know. I don't know. Way to go, Billups. Way to hold, hold on to your values. Yeah. <laughs> once again, I'm glad I didn't finish watching this episode with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> the, the prince's dry at the end was like, has his kingdom come also (laughs) the amount of just like one-liners from this episode was hysterical um i guess jumping over to our b plot which was mariner and boimler heading uh to a a place we know very well from picard is it yes it's the same uh place where allison's character is from the institute i didn't okay I didn't put all that. Oh, they're heading to Daystrom. Yeah, they're heading to Daystrom. That they crash on. Oh, wait, Clyde's here. Let me pop that guy in. Clyde! Hey, I don't know that I can stay very long, but I'm I'm here. Oh, well, okay. Why don't we uh, get your hot freak while you're here? I like your uh, jersey, by the way. He's... It, if... Uh-oh. Is it is it a Roy Kent? Yes. It's Kent. He's there. He's, he's there. He's, he's every he, effing where. He's where I can't. Anyway. Yes. This is Sorry like for my... the fruity language. All right. Um, I thought this was a cool episode. Um, it had a really interesting moment for me when I was trying to go, wow, did they kill R- Rutherford? Like, are we going there? Like, I really was thinking, hmm, this is, this is, this will change the direction of the show considerably. So I wasn't quite sure. Um, but then I thought to myself, there's no way. So, uh, but overall, I thought it was interesting. Probably not my favorite episode. I did like the Mariner and Boimler kind of storyline, you know, and then, I mean, my favorite line of the entire episode might have been, you got boimed, <laughs> which was just like, <laughs> really? <laughs> that worked for um, you? It just—it it was kind of like huh. you should laugh more at my jokes then. <laughs> yeah, it just—it—it it wasn't a funny. It didn't get me like in a funny way. It got me in a like, huh? That was—that is, that is what he would say. <laughs> that is what he would say. So, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, I think we were, you know, Mariah, you mentioned Paul Shear in the in the chat, it, in our Slack. I just I kind of thought, wow. Um, such an interesting character because once I noticed the voice, I me- I immediately went to Andre from the league. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, "Wow, what a polar opposite character!" Um, so yeah, it just, he, I couldn't shake that the entire episode. He very much transforms because I don't know if you've watched Black Monday, but he's also mm. in that show and is mm. um, a very different character there. So way to way to character it up, Paul Shear. In your book, go see him, right? I am. I'm going to go see him tonight at an improv show, which is bananas. Um, <laughs> all up in my day. But uh, yeah, we were about to dive in, Clyde, into talking about um, Boimler and Mariner and the, the, the kind of plot around them. And to me, it reminded me a lot of like the classic 
what's happening in the chat? Did I miss something? Uh, oh, <laughs> we're romantic. We yeah. What did I walk so, into? We were talking um, about Billups a little bit, and they're saying mm-hmm. that he, uh, whether or not he might be potentially asexual. Um, Carolyn uh, says could be ace, which is asexual, I believe. Mm-hmm, but uh, but a, maybe not a arrow, which is uh, a romantic. romantic. Mm-hmm. Which means yeah. you can have romantic feelings towards people, but maybe you don't have sexual feelings towards people. Yeah. So he might still have romantic feelings toward uh, Ransom. Like I, I thought, I thought we got some nods to that in, in earlier episodes, but maybe not. We did. So that's possible. Yeah, definitely still have crushes. Um, but with Mariner and Boimler, to me, it felt very like classic, almost Spock Kirk shenanigans. You know, when they can't agree and they're going to get into the fight, but then at the end they realize they're still best friends. Um, and one of them, you know, it kind of, in a similar way, I feel like one of them is always in the right, even if the other one doesn't quite see it in that particular way. And that's that equilibrium kind of goes back and forth. Um, so I'm glad we're getting that set up and Boimler isn't just always going to be the like inept character in comparison to Mariner. You know, I think it's interesting that you say that because so often we look at the show as having a TNG frame to it. But the dynamics scream much more TOS to me, right? When you think about the, because it's there, there are episodes where I feel like it expands, but for the most part, we'll we'll kind of devolve back into this four character like ensemble, which is was much more TOS, and, and I would say TOS is really a three character ensemble with a rotating fourth popped in there, right? Whether it was Scotty or Chekhov or some random red shirt. In TNG, it really felt more ensemble, right? It really felt like you've had, you had this, this group, right? The poker, the poker club Mm -hmm. plus Jean Luc and any given week, you were going to kind of maybe lean into one of those, but you never knew what you were going to get. Right. Plus a random guest star. This doesn't necessarily feel like that. Like we've got, like I said, I feel like we had a couple episodes where it was like, oh, we're getting some backstory on Ransom or some, you know, something here. But for the most part, still high and tight with those four, um, which, like I said, feels much more TOS. Um, Clyde, did you recognize the voice of the evil computer? I did not. It's Jeffrey Coombs. Um, apparently, this is a guy who's been in a, a bit of Star Trek. So I don't yeah. know if you've heard of he, him. He was not on um, TNG. So he he uh, played a pretty big part in Enterprise and then also um, appeared in some Voyager and some Deep Space Nine and has done a ton of voices for the um, uh, video games. I'm looking at a collage of a bunch <laughs> of characters that he played. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, he was the Dominion guy. Yeah. Okay, that's where I know him most. Uh, very funny. Um, oh yeah, in this role here, I loved the evil computer, especially um, how that kind of plays out with uh, being grouped with all the other evil com- computers. In um, uh, what's what's the uh, place they go to at the end? Daystrom Institute. Daystrom Institute. Yeah, uh, we got a comment here from Takako who says uh, someone pointed out that one of the evil computers had a CBS logo, <laughs> which. <laughs> also <laughs> perfect love it 
Um, jumping back to what you guys were talking about, though, about Mariner and Boimler, you know, I, I think that I, I like this continual kind of um, progression that we, the audience, get to see of their relationship of how Mariner is um, coping with how he left and she's still bitter about that, even though they have had a little bit of a heart to heart. Like we still got that in the um, the the bar scene two episodes mm-hmm. ago, but at the same time, you know, s- still there's there's clearly some some friction and tension there, and um, <laughs> equating his time on the Titan to uh, his travel abroad or whatever <laughs> she, she said, um, perfectly hilariously fit with that. I, and so it just kind of felt like, um, uh, you know, I I see her side of it that she's very used to a Boimler who can't handle a lot of those situations and gets in over his head. And so she's, she's always been protective of him because she's obviously had a much richer history in Starfleet before ending up on the Cerritos. But the, the fact that the conflict allows um, him to kind of turn the tables and show that he can take care of himself and he can think a couple steps ahead. It was a good twist. And I, I think that, brings him up a little bit closer to her level. Not, not all the way. Mm-hmm. Still boring. Do you think that she was right in talking to Ransom about the fact that he wasn't ready? I mean, I don't know if it's hard to say because right. We didn't see what he, how he reacted in that particular situation. Do I think he's more capable than he was in our first season? Absolutely. Do I think he's ready to take down centipedes with a phaser rifle? I'm not quite sure. Cause we did see him mostly just freaking out while on the Titan. Like right. we never really saw him like succeeding. This is, I think our first instance where we see him really thinking a few steps ahead and like each episode, since he's come back from the Titan, I think we've seen, you know, like last week when he got Tendi to de transform by being a good friend and by making her laugh and um, getting her to stop being that crazy bug creature. Um, so we've had a success there. Now we've seen, you know, he can outsmart the evil computer here, but he still, you know, like fell off the tree while trying to um, grab the licorice fruit or whatever it was. So I think, he is getting there. I don't know if I, I definitely don't think it was Mariner's place to make that call for him, though. It's tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, as as a friend and with good intentions, um, her trying to be protective of him. Uh, I, I I can kind of see it both ways. She also, you know, does come from having a rich history of experience and being able to, to a certain degree, recognize that. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily come away from this thinking that she's in the wrong, he's in the right, so much as they both kind of learn from this experience. And uh, in, in a way, this helped kind of develop and grow their relationship together. I, I just worry that it, it could have been... Um, a, a fairly significant detriment to their relationship because to me she has every right to feel that way i think the proper way to respond would have been to tell boimler hey man i don't think that you're quite ready for this and here's why right i think you'll get there but i'm just not sure that you're ready now and then allow him 
you know, a grown ass man to make his own decision. That doesn't work. And look, for the comedic and, it, plot here. and if he gets eaten by a giant centipede, then he gets eaten by a centipede on his own, making no, his own I, decisions. I do think it's it's interesting though that they're both such bad communicators because you could tell with that fight. I think. I mean. I think Boimler was taking out a little bit of uh, aggression in that particular he fight. Her. <laughs> he, he did shoot her with a, with a phaser. Like. Yeah, fully, fully stunned her, set those phasers to stunning, got rid of her. And, um, you know, she obviously went behind his back to do that. So they, I, I think they both have each other's best interests, like at heart, but are both that both of these characters are very bad at expressing that. <laughs> Yeah, she yeah, she obviously still feels betrayed by him, uh, completely ghosting her uh, and jumping aboard the Titan without anything um, and then trying to come back and not even address that with her. Um, so I, I can understand her having a chip on her shoulder about the, the friendship and the relationship. Um, and then her not trusting him as well is kind of just one of those things that is also really interesting and necessary for us, the audience, so that it kind of pushes the plot along in this way and allows for a moment where they can reassess where that degree of, of trust and respect between them um, can grow and strengthen. So I liked, I liked that a lot. I like what they explored here um, with this episode. It, it had another um, mark of maturity that I thought the episode two weeks ago had, um yeah so i i I really enjoyed that whole plot line and and the evil computer is funny yeah the evil computer constantly just being like please plug me in just please (laughs) please plug me into something please please, and was making some very good appealing arguments he was you know uh you know given our history of how we understand mariner uh and how she can act reckless and like a loose cannon when it it fits her needs um, make a mess now and I can clean that up later kind of philosophy that she, she tends to have. It's, it's interesting that Boimler is like, why don't you think we should just plug him in so we can get some water? Um, but obviously uh, she's got a good head on her shoulders there. Clyde, what do you think? I also, you said something earlier, Grant, that has stuck with me. The, the comedic element, right? I don't yeah. know what happened in Brad, but Brad we... <laughs> <laughs> no, I have her I... log in and log, log out. Okay, so I just thought she was in deep thought, so that's bad <laughs> on me. Uh, I, I, I look at it and say, if this was a drama, right? Like, I think when we look at Discovery or Picard, we need to be much more critical of the interactions, how they how they engage with one another, but this is a comedy, which means that we we have to suspend belief a little bit for the joke, right? Right to laugh, and so I don't want to get too caught up in the, you know, she shouldn't have done that, you know. But I do think we get some some of that that back and forth play with like if you don't have a wild card, then the comedy kind of sort of fails, right? Right. And so, but whether it's her or her slipping back to no man, this is serious. And Boimler kind of going all wacky. Like, I think we get that. And then we get a ton of it from, like, Rutherford. Um, I, I It's a comedy. So I don't want to get I don't want to get too stuck on, she shouldn't have. Or, you sure. know. 
Uh, I mean, but you know, speaking of how they, uh, and there's Mariah back. Uh, speaking of how they, you know, developed that relationship, like what were you, what were you thinking about um, the Tendi uh, reaction to to Rutherford? Which you know we've already expo- explored it a little bit. It's actually one of my favorite reactions in the show because one of my favorite things about Lower Deck and what I'm looking for almost every episode is that yes, we're aware that this does not make sense in Star Trek universe, right? It's it's that moment that it's just like, hey, we're with you and this is insane. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I didn't get it to like the very last moment was was interesting. And that moment was when you know, she was so worried that he was dead. And he was like, yeah, that just kind of ha- sort of happens. Like, it kind of like, and I was like, how many times in Star Trek has someone almost died? We thought they were dead. And it turns out they weren't or something. We've never really checked in and said, what does that do to the people around them when you're constantly thinking your friends are dead? It's like, it's like the, the little boy who, who cried wolf. At some point, someone's going to die. And you're like, he ain't dead. He ain't dead. He's not dead. Right. He can't be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, denial. we haven't seen like a real, uh, I don't know, introspection on that. Like, I mean, we get it now in Discovery and I think in Picard in like that much more like emotionally mature way. But mm-hmm. um, we, you know, haven't seen it in any of the more episodic treks before. And so I do think it's funny that they keep kind of bringing that up and like poor Tendi is this vehicle of just all of the anxiety around it. And so I feel like the last two weeks have been rough Tendi episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, P- Pika Scribbit says, uh, pod, I thought that for a second, they were going to have a running gag where Rutherford <laughs> loses his memory every season and has to start over again, which That's would so be a tragedy in itself. Yes. <laughs> Who killed Rutherford? Um, He's the Kenny of well, I also I also thought it was interesting because we've always kind of talked about this. You know, they have the will they won't they of the show, right? The Tendi Rutherford is is there romance there or what? And it it does feel like that's really, really hard on Tendi because like if there was something, like does she go, no, I need to distance myself? Or does she go, well, I better tell him how I feel now, lest he is dead next week, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting moment. I know that, I think Chupi said that, uh, what was it, uh, Tiana, or, yes, Dr. Tiana was so sweet. I did I think know. that that was a great kind of moment where she came to her and was like, wow, like, there are these moments that I'm like, wow, okay. I don't want to say it saved the episode, but there were these really moments that kind of touched you in a way that's not all, you know, slapstick stand-up comedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clyde, you weren't here earlier when we were talking about, um, do you have any experience uh, at Ren Fairs? <laughs> wow. Um, no. Uh <laughs> No judgment. No judgment. I've actually wanted to go and, you know, I lived in Dallas for a while where there is like a medieval, what was that? What's it called? Medieval uh, times. Medieval times. Never actually went, but I kind of wanted to. 
it's one of those things. It's a really interesting dynamic for me as a black man because it's like it's kind of cool. However, that period not so great for me. <laughs> so, yeah, because they're always very focused on medieval European history. We're not talking about like you know medieval global history where perhaps there's some more diverse cultures represented. (laughs) Like I've read all this stuff about how people would travel from Africa all over the globe as sailors and often pirates. Like there's some other stuff there, but usually when we're talking about medieval history, we, you're right. We're all talking about, and and not just all of Europe, but a very specific region of Europe, mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is does are Ren Fairs um kind of bleeding into fantasy as well? Like is it dragons and yeah. unicorns and such? Okay. Yeah, there's definitely that theme is definitely there. I'm sure, you know, I'm not a part of the Ren community, so I can't speak on like if there's a division within that, but I can remember going as a kid, you know, dressed up as like a princess and there'd be like dragon stuff and like unicorn stuff, because as a small child, that's what I cared about. So And I would say it's one of those areas where I think as a teenager, Renfair to me translated to beer and bustiers. And Mm -hmm. so it was just kind of like kind of cool, but maybe I shouldn't. So apparently giant turkey legs are overrated. So I'm never going to. I don't know that that is such a thing. Like, you know, how can you overrate a giant turkey leg? It's <laughs> like saying I, a deep fried Twinkie is overrated. No. Or funnel cake. You always go to um, uh, this thing called Worst Fest uh, down in um, uh, San Marcos. No, it's New Braunfels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just south of Austin here, which is a, an Oktoberfest thing. It feels Ren Fair adjacent, I'd say. There's a lot of polka music and meats on sticks. <laughs> And yeah, and fa- fancy dress, fancy dress, <laughs> and later hosen, which you yeah, know, it's kind of like wizards, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna I... have to head out. Okay, but I just wanted to come in and say because I, I watched the episode and I was like, wow, there were some great moments, uh, especially when I thought, wow, is I said if Rutherford dies, there's no way I can't miss the pod. Um, and so I just wanted to come by and, and say, fun episode. Sorry, I've got to make sure that. My kids don't burn down the house. <laughs> sounds well, a little sounds important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'll be watching. Right. Thanks, Clyde. All right, I guess. And we're back to big faces. Woo! My video <laughs> is stalled out, so I can still hear you. I have no idea what we look like right now. So good oh. times. <laughs> yeah, you, you go in and out of moving, but your audio is still there, so that's good. That's uh, good. You know, touching back just a little bit more on um, the Tendi and. Uh, Rutherford thing. And uh, by the way, if you guys are watching us live, uh, go ahead and hit us with your comments and questions right now, and uh, we'll, we'll pop in and we'll we'll answer a few of those. Um, but I, I do think this this kind of um, idea of Rutherford um, he 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 died and came back in a way, and she has this um, this grief over what was lost, but she also mm-hmm. still has him there. And so she has this extreme anxiety about potentially losing him again. Um, I like how they're kind of playing off of all that, but you guys were mentioning that it, I guess it seems like a common trope in Trek that people will die or seemingly yeah. die frequently. And 
how how does that kind of play in? I mean, I guess there's kind of like a military side of this of like, you know, soldiers could die versus science vessel. Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, it's always addressed in the episode. You can feel the emotions happening across characters when a character um, comes close to death or we do lose a character. But it it very rarely would kind of carry over into other episodes. Like, they aren't just, like, constantly being like, hey, uh, Neelix, you remember that time we had to use Borg technology to bring you back from the dead? You know, like, that's, like, not constantly happening. Um, it just or the references of that are not happening. It just always is happening that like someone is near, like the stakes just get higher, especially right. if we get towards like finales or anything, you know, there's always those big cliffhangers of like what's going to happen. And so I think it's so funny that lower decks is it's grabbed onto that trope and they're, they're really milking it. I think for all of the like comedies, comedy gold that it can provide because it's like, unfortunately it is so traumatic for Tendy, but mm-hmm. it is like such a trope that it's so easy to make fun of in a comedy sense. Yeah, there. I I think that um, we watch Discovery and we would see, um, man, I can't remember uh, Wilson Cruz's character, whatever mm-hmm. uh, the doctor Colber, Colber um, him dying, and there was an examination of of the trauma, the pain. Mm-hmm. That that comes from that, and a constant refrain from you is all of these people need a therapist. <laughs> they need therapy. Uh, but which I keep seeing therapist on the bridge now on lower decks, which is like a fun callback to TNG with having you know Troy on the on the bridge all of the time as well. So hopefully, maybe he'll play a bigger part. Maybe we'll get like a tendy therapy session because I think she she might need it. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's something that that seems incongruous with this idea like, okay, a hundred years ago, people would have a lot of kids and kids would get sick and die. And there was probably a little bit less attachment for some parents to, uh, to some of their kids. Cause it was like a, a terrible, but natural thing that like, you know, survivor survivor rate was less, maybe not a hundred, let's say 200. <laughs> let's, let's throw it back a little bit further. Anyway, um, very sad stuff there, but someone, uh, us humans kind of build up a layer of, of, mm-hmm. of, of how we cope with certain things like that. But in a show like, like Trek, I'm seeing something that is, is very close, very family. Um, and mm-hmm. these people form bonds that really have meaning and value, emotional like value. So you can't trivialize losing someone like that and be like, ah, oh, next episode next week. Let's move on. Yeah. I, I, I guess in that regard, I, I appreciate that even in a, a silly wacky comedy, like lower decks, they're like, no, there's going to be some real ramifications here for 10 mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. They're, they're digging into it and, and both finding, I think like the emotion of it all, as well as finding where there is like moments of, um, levity. Yeah. So. Uh, we got a comment here from Chibi who says, uh, I get the feeling that they are weaning uh, us over from screwball comedy to more normal episodic story format with the last couple of episodes. What do you think? I feel like they did that last season, too. I think they, you know, kind of build up some subplots for the first few eps. And then we get, you know, like we had that full movie parody episode 
last season that I thought dug into like a lot of the issues from the big first half of the season. So I feel like they play within that formatting um, pretty often. I definitely got very excited at the beginning when um, uh, Mariner and Boimler got sucked into whatever that mm-hmm. wormhole thing was in space. And I Gravitational was like, field. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, this is going to be an ongoing couple episode arc potentially they get lost on some planet they have to survive Mm -hmm. or whatever i mean no it wrapped up by the end of the episode but um i i i thought since we're at episode seven they could potentially go there Mm -hmm. and have something that um carries through a few episodes i would like to see that i would like to see us kind of move to the bigger stakes because for as as silly as this show can be it has so much maturity and heart when it needs it and that can that that's what i want yeah. i want them both and i like I the agree. show i think it's super fun uh any other listener comments because again uh, i cannot yeah. see oh you can't <laughs> uh mark says uh the family slash team bonds are developing in a positive way agreed um our buddy uh, Mike Garcia, our fearless captain, uh, popped in to um, put some hearts on the screen. I don't know if you can see those hearts, but oh, thank you! They're lovely and appreciated. Um, now I'm kind of scrolling back here because I, I think there are some other interesting comments I just kind of skipped past earlier. Uh, let's see, uh, Takako referring to Mariner and Boimler. Um, I think Mariner may be right at this point in time, but sooner or later, he's not going to be that bumbler anymore. Referring to, I would agree. Boimler. You can see the the inklings of of the inklings of greatness in Boimler more now yeah. than I had before. Um, and then uh, P.W. Gregory says, uh, "You need to get outside your comfort zone." But I love my <laughs> zone; it's so comfortable. I felt that in my very bones. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm. I like my comfort zone as well. Agreed. Um, I think that might be about it. Then um, we can go ahead and wrap up here. We do. Are there ten episodes this season? Do you know? Yes, there will be ten episodes. So we do have um, the eighth episode next week very exciting Uh we'll be back of course to cover that hopefully we'll have full crew and i will have better internet i have uh ordered a wi-fi extender so (laughs) just so you know um you look okay on our end perfect yeah that's great it's it's all right there's some glitches here and there but it's fine uh yeah folks uh we want to say thank you so much to all of you for joining us this week and um joining in the chat if you are listening to us in our audio podcast, which uh, we know we have a, a large um, audio podcast listening audience. Um, we'd love to have you come join us when we do these live. I know it's not always uh, convenient time-wise, but if you do find you're available, uh, it's going to be Thursdays at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time that we go live and we're talking about the episodes of Lower Decks currently. We'd love to have you come join and join in on the discussion. And if you want more, there is more. We what? occasionally do uh, Patreon episodes, and you can uh, check those out, and you can help support us by going to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and making your per episode pledge. Give us two bucks an episode that we publish. You only get charged if we put out content, and uh, you can join our Slack channel and uh, chat with all the other lovely Trekkies. Um, 
we have a, a great audience there, a, a great um, crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd love to have you guys be a part of it. Mariah, yeah. where can people check you out? Yeah, so you can follow me at Mariah Gossett. That's Mariah with a Y, Gossett with two S and two T's. Um, and yeah, if you just another plug for our Patreon, we did a big deep dive into uh, everything from Star Trek Day. So if you haven't joined yet, you can jump on in there and take a watch uh, and see us chit chat about all the new trailers and get excited about Strange New World. So yeah. CJ Higgins says, I started off as a Stitcher podcast listener. I have more fun on Slack. There you go. Testimonials. We got it. (laughs) We got it. What about you, Grant? Where can people find you on the internet? You guys can follow me at Baron Von Grant if you you want. You're welcome to. No no pressure. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, we'll be back next week talking about episode eight of Lower Decks. And until then... Uh, thanks everyone for checking us out. We'll we'll see you guys live long and uh, prosper. Bye.